Hi, today we start part four of this on this series on time and eternity, such an important subject. And we're going to pick up in verse uh, chapter Ecclesiastes chapter three. I'm going to read the first few verses and then go down to verse 11 because I want us to keep on being remembering <clears throat> that we are all given time. And, we, and in that period of time that we live, there's seasons. We all go through different seasons. But all of this is in the context of eternity. And you can't take that out of, out of its context. Everything that happens in life here has eternal ramifications. And so that's why I believe the subject is so important. But let's read from verse 1. There is a time for everything. A season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. And then I'm going to ask you just to go down to the 11th verse again about eternity God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. Yet they cannot fathom what God has done from the beginning to end. Father, help us, please, as we study your word now, to be able to grasp by the Holy Spirit's empowering and illumination, to grasp something by revelation that changes every one of us impart in our hearts and lives truth that lasts us for all of time with all of its eternal ramifications in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to look at, first of all here, a time to tear down and a time to build. That second part of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 3. A time to tear down. I just... In all of these messages, what I'm trying to do is just share with you what I feel is important for us while we are alive on earth. <clears throat> in the times we're living in, very difficult times for some, but times with an expectation of the, the second coming of Jesus Christ. All the signs are, are there for us if we're reading it right. But so with that in mind, there's a time to tear down. What what are the things that we need to tear down? Well, the things that I, I feel like they've been put on my heart are, first of all, to tear down bad, bad foundations and to start building on right foundations. And that right foundation is Jesus Christ. Um, bad foundations in our own hearts and lives. Bad foundations if we're building in the church, the church we belong to, and if we're leading the church, bad foundations that are going to one day cause us all that we do in time before we die is going to determine fruitfulness, effectiveness, and what we're going to reap in heaven for all of eternity. So bad foundations. I just want to read quickly from Matthew chapter 7, something that most of us know and I've so many parts of the body of Christ, I believe, actually misinterpret the scripture. But in Matthew chapter 7, if you read with me from verse 24, where Jesus speaks about the wise and the foolish builders, 
He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, now that's for us the word of God, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So the foundation was the rock. And we know that that rock to some degree is Jesus Christ. He is the most important factor in all of life. But we'll come back to that in a moment. The rain came down, the steam, streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Why? Because it had its foundations on the rock. Now, if you just stop for a moment and think of what Jesus has just said, if you hear his words and you put those words into practice, you, you do what the Word of God says, you're going to have a good foundation. So in a large, to a large extent, while Jesus Christ is the rock, the cornerstone, part of that whole foundation of building on the rock is to obey the Word of God. <clears throat> Excuse me, to do whatever it says. Verse 26 says, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. So a shaky foundation is to even to hear what the Word of God says, to be able to read it, to hear it preached, to preach it yourself and be hearing your own voice, and yet not doing it. That is a shaky foundation. It's a bad foundation. And the, it says this, that the rain came down. Now, not if the rain comes. This is certainty. It's going to happen in everyone's life. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So, don't be like the foolish, uh, the foolish builders. Let's be like the wise builders. Again, I just want to read to you from Jeremiah chapter 4 and uh, chapter 1 and just read verse, from verse 4 again because this is something we talked about earlier on and it's true for all of us. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, I don't know what God's appointed you to be, but whatever it is, God appointed you to be something. And I said, oh, Sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm only a child. So we've got excuses sometimes for why we don't do what God wants us to do. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. So we can build on firm foundations, no matter how insecure we feel about ourselves, just do what God says. God says, stop making excuses. Then he says, the scripture says, then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth and said to me, now I have put my words in your mouth. For me as a preacher, God has put his words in my mouth. For you and whatever your call is in life, business, teaching in a school, housewife, whatever it may be. Whatever, if you're in the appointed place that God has called you to, he, God has put his words in your mouth. And so then he goes on, he says, See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms 
And this is what the part I want to get to uproot and to tear down. To uproot and to tear down. To destroy and overthrow. To build and to plant. So we've got to tear down bad foundations and build upon good foundations. Put them into our lives. So not only do we have to tear down bad foundations and build on the right foundations, but we also need to tear down strongholds. You'll remember what 2 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us. I'm just wanting to turn there into my, in my Bible. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and, uh, and we pick up in verse 3. It says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war on the world as the world does. The weapons we fight with, are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We've got to pull down strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension <coughs> that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So We've got to pull down strongholds. There's strongholds in families. There's strongholds in our minds sometimes. There's strongholds over our lives. There's strongholds in the church. I've seen this, and I don't know why this just comes into my heart again now to say it, but I've seen where one pastor has left a, or leader has left a church if he's been the visionary, and a new guy comes in, he takes on, or somebody that was in the eldership takes on the, the role and tries to move the church forward and they just get stuck and bogged down all the time because the last guy left strongholds. Things that he may have done, secret sins, whatever the case may be, there's strongholds left in the life of that church. And we have to pull those down. And so I'm going to ask you in Jesus' name, would you just have a few, spend a few minutes before in the, in the presence of God alone with him and possibly in an eldership if you're elders... Just asking God, God, are there any strongholds here? We're not looking for things hidden. Just if there is anything here that needs to be pulled down, will you show it to us so we can pull it down in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit on the um, grounds of what Jesus has done through his Calvary, the shed blood of Christ, because they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives even unto death. So pull down the strongholds. And then also there's a third area that we need to break up or tear down. In Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, it says, this, Break up your fellow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. For us, possibly that means any hardness of heart. We need to tear it down, break it up, make it soft again. Any resistance to any truth. There's so many people, even in ministry, preachers, who have, are resistant to certain truths. They only like one side of the truth when there's the whole truth. And that's what Paul said. He preached the whole counsel of God. So we need to break up our fellow ground if there's any hardness in our hearts about, about any truth about, or even against any other person. And we need to start then, then for building on the right foundations. And I just want us to turn quickly, if you would, in your Bibles uh, with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, and I'm going to read from the, the 11th verse. Very important. Uh, we all know these things, but very important. It says this in verse 11, or I'm going to pick up in verse 10. By the grace God has given me, 
I laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should be very careful or should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man build on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or stubble or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. So build on the good foundation. Jesus Christ, the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, the word of God, truth by the power of the Holy Spirit. Build on good foundations. Build what Christ is building. Jesus is building as our study scripture for 50 something years. Jesus is only building one thing on earth, and that is the church. Build with him. He said, I will build my church, Matthew 18, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So build with Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I'd love to read those verses, but I look at time, it's flying again. Uh, but Jesus, the word of God tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, that we are co-laborers with God, co-laborers together. We're team members with God. We're team members together, but as a team, we're a team member with God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We're co-workers, co-laborers. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, it says, "By the oh, well, I've read it to you, but each man should be very careful how he builds. And then we've talked about pulling down, and we're starting to talk about building up. Build one another up. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 8 and chapter 13, verse 10, Paul speaks about the authority the Lord has given us to build you up rather than pulling you down. Again, in Romans chapter 14, verse 19, he says, Make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. That word edification is building up and strengthening. Ephesians 4, 29 says, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So can I just say to you, be a part of and a participant in what Jesus is building, the church, as each part does its work, as each as it grows and builds itself up in love. So we get God building us, Jesus building the church. We get the word of God that strengthens and encourages and builds us up. And each one of us needs to play a part in all of that. And stop being a spectator and become a participator, participant in, a part of what Christ is building here on earth. And so 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 11 says, encourage, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up. Can I just say this? In an eldership, if you're the visionary elder, build the other elders up. Don't keep making them look stupid, small, so that you look good. Build them up. Ask God to help you, to help them to go beyond you, be, to be bigger than you, more effective than you. Get rid of your insecurity. 
because insecurity is a bad foundation in your life. Even if you're a great preacher, while you're insecure and holding people back and keeping them down, it's a bad foundation in your own life and it's rotting the foundations of the church. So even if you have to pause this message now and get on your knees, say to God, God, deliver me from anything that's pulling people down. I want to pull it up, break it down, tear it down, and I want to start to build people up. And in your own family, your sons, your daughters, your wife, your husband, whoever it is. Then moving on quickly, just because of time, I'm hoping I can cover this one to some extent. It also says in verse 4, there's a time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to weep. Weeping, sorrow, disappointment, regret, etc., all of these things are all part of human experience. We've said this before. We'll have to say it over and over again. It's part of a human experience in some way or the other. In the body of Christ, we've made out like it's wrong to, to grieve. It's wrong to feel sorrow. It's wrong to be disappointed. It's wrong if you let that kill you, destroy you, take a hold of your life. But it's a part of a human experience. Even Jesus wept. Remember that? Uh, Lazarus is great in John chapter 11. I think it's in verse 32. It says that Jesus wept. In Luke chapter 19, verse 41, when Jesus is looking at Jerusalem, he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft would I have gathered you as a hen would gather her chicks, but you would not. And it says there in 40, uh, verse 41, looking at the state of Jerusalem, Jesus wept. You look at it, 19, Luke 19, verse 41. We'll all experience both seasons of weeping and lifetimes as well. They're inescapable. Thankfully, Psalm 30, 30 verse 5 says, Weeping may last for a night, but, the re but rejoicing, joy, comes in the morning. And so as a true believer, we will identify with belie fellow believers in both laughter, sorrow, Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And so as, a, as Christians, we'll experience things that, that uh, cause us to weep, cause maybe hardships, loss, persecution, betrayal, etc. But Jesus promises eternal joy. Read John 16, 20 for yourself. He promises eternal joy. And Revelation 21, verse 4 he promises eternal joy where he wipes away all tears, all these broken-hearted things. And like Jesus, we might sometimes have to weep over the state of the church, God's people. But like Paul, we can also rejoice with those who are all out for God. In most of his letters to the churches, Paul writes that. He rejoices over them. A joyful heart... A joyful heart comes from keeping your eyes fixed on Christ. Looking unto Jesus, the author on our, of our faith, fix your eyes on him. And I want to just read in closing this off this message, or maybe I can get a little further than that, but we'll just see how we go. I just want to read a couple of scriptures to you. The first one is found in 1 Peter chapter 8. These are such important scriptures, especially for those of us in ministry, but for all people. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 8. Peter says this, verses 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, Jesus, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him 
and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Inexpressible joy. In Psalm 95, I'm hoping I can get there very quickly. Psalm 95, and it's verse um, verses 1 and 2. Psalm 95, verses 1 and 2. Let me just quickly get there. The scripture says this, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Just in times of hardship, worship, praise, shout and exclaim your love and commitment and the worthiness of Christ. Give him thanks for everything. You know, there's so much you can stop and thank God for. Just think of this. Simple little things like you've got a home, you've got a bed, you've got blankets, you've got sheets, you've got a fridge, you've got food in there. So many parts of the world, they don't have that. There's so much you can praise God for. Start, look up, see the sky, thank Him for sunrise, the sound of the birds out there, all these beautiful things that God has provided for us. Trees and wind and rain, all the beautiful things. Plus the fact, of course, he saved us and he's our Lord and he's our friend. He's our older brother. He lives inside of us. We live in him. The Holy Spirit works with us. There's so much to praise God for. You're still alive and breathing. Bless the Lord. He's so good. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits and then just enumerate them. Have a quick look at Psalm 103, I think it is. And then I want us just to turn and look at, well, you know, it's Psalm 1611. In your presence is fullness of joy. Get into the presence of God. Claim Romans 15, 13. James 1, verses 2 and 3. Even when we are going through hard times, trial of our faith, we, we need to praise God in it. And as Proverbs 17, 22 tells us, laughter. A merry heart is like good medicine. Yes, there's grief, there's weeping, but there's also laughter, joy. We'll look at the next one coming up, a time to mourn and a time to dance, so closely linked to this, but time doesn't allow me to get into that one right now. So we'll pick up on that in session number five. God bless you and God's blessing be upon you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.